Hi, my name is Maurice Bernard, and this is State of Mind. You may know me from my role on General Hospital, but what you might not know is that I've been a proud mental health advocate for over 30 years. State of Mind is a show where I speak about my mental health, my life with bipolar, anxiety, depression, and have guests who share about their life and their mental health. I hope that by listening, you can be inspired, learn about mental illness, and ways to have a healthy state of mind. All right. All right. All right. Um, So, this is State of Mind. And um, I'm... I'm nervous, I'm excited, I'm passionate about Tyler Gerard's story that you are going to hear about real soon here. He spent six years in the Thailand prison He was innocent, and guess what? He's here today. But can you imagine what he went through? I can't. His mother is here, Tracy. She's a darling. <laughs> uh. And I'm going to talk to her first. This is a mother who, you know those documentaries where people are trying to get to Mount Everest and then they they try, they can't do it, they do it again, then they do it again, then they do it again. And they get to the top. And that's what she did. She saved her son's life. That's what a mother does. For a son. We're doing a GoFundMe. We want to raise as much money as we can. Because after you listen to this story... You'll understand why. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Maurice. How you doing? Nervous? I'm nervous, but I'm doing well. Great. Doing well. Better than I've been in a long time. Oh, I can imagine. You, uh, you're, it's like those movies you see, that the mother will do anything to save her son. That movie wins Academy Awards. Because okay. <laughs> the mother's always that that lion, you know, that 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 will do anything for her son, and that's that's what you you are to me. Well, how how many kids you got? I, I, Tyler's my youngest, and then I have one older son, Trevor. Oh, really? Yeah. And how was uh, Tyler when he was little? He was. <laughs> It's a bit of a pain in the ass, if I you see. want to be honest. <laughs> That's like my son, Joshua, yeah. a bit of a pain in the ass. Yeah, 
he had his moments, but but a kind kid, always an incredibly kind kid. Yeah. Sometimes hidden by his <laughs> pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> we had our moments. So when he was a teenager, what 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 was that? What was that like? I mean, what, what did he do? Did you did he work or did he? Because I started work when I was fifteen and a half. He did different things. Uh, not not any nothing that you would say he got paid and went to you know went to a job for but he did different things um he hated high school and i hated high school had to ended up having to do school at home super smart but oh really absolutely like my kids yeah absolutely despised high school um yeah, so he did homeschooling most of the time yeah graduated high grades but still a pain yeah i look i wish you know i wish i could do homeschool when i was in yeah because I, I i didn't I, paula it's a joke she says that i didn't graduate because <laughs> we're there looking at some papers or something my name wasn't on it i mean i thought i barely graduated but uh you know uh so take me when you first found out that uh what happened with, with tyler I was on my way to play bocce ball. It was December 3rd or 4th, I believe. On my way to play bocce ball, normal day for us, and I got a phone call. And I could tell it was coming from Thailand, and of course I knew he was there. And so Now, what did he go to Thailand for? Just a vacation? He had an American friend that was um, living over there. We've traveled all over the world with our kids, so them traveling wasn't anything new. Right. He was due to go in the army and he was having you know some last fun going to thailand stay with his friends see the things a lot of kids do that a lot yeah thailand's i'm sure beautiful and yeah he had tried college that wasn't for him yeah. so he was due to go in the army just waiting for his time they make you wait sometimes I guess. right yeah so i got a call and he was screaming on the phone mom i got arrested mom i got arrested mom i got arrested oh and that's pretty much all they would let him say. And then a lawyer got on the phone and just started telling me that my son had been arrested and what he'd been arrested for and that I needed to get there right away and I needed to send money and I needed to, and then they hung up. Wow. So then you, I'm sure, you know, you were. I yeah. was on my knees, had to be driven home. Um, my husband got there right then Jerry and we started calling back this supposed lawyer who was not a lawyer he was a, about the worst person in the world I've ever met some of them anyway I've met a few through all of this what did he what, what, what was he like was he just lying all the time or just an absolute liar take your money take it he was there wow. to do exactly this to foreigners to really make them terrified make them pay you know, millions of dollars if they could get it to get your child home. That was the first introduction into that. Wow. And then they would send me little snippets of videos once they had me on the phone. But it was definitely a lure in, you know, to try and prime us for, you know, first it was just, oh, we need $1,200 to retain us. And, you know, that $1,200 turned into millions. Wow. So the, f the first trip you went, 
My husband and I were gone within 36 hours of him calling. Yeah, we were almost there in 36 hours. I should take that back. Yeah, yeah, we just went. That's I. Had to you go. get to see him? When we first got there, he had already been put in prison. So yeah, when I finally saw him, he was already in prison. Okay, so you're there. He's in prison. Do you get to see him? Through glass, yeah, and on a phone. Like you see in movies? Something. I don't think that you could ever, I don't think I've ever seen any movie of a Thailand prison that does it um, any sort of justice. Because that prison is just. They, that one was terrible, but believe it or not, it got more horrific after that. Really? Tyler can tell you about that. Yes. Yeah, it was horrific. Just so you got to see him for how long or ten minutes? Ten minutes. In that particular prison, we could see him ten minutes Monday through Friday. And we had this lawyer who, at that particular point, we thought was there to help us to help. You know, he was going to get him out. This was just going to be a little blip on the radar. You know what I mean? Just some yeah. terrible thing that happened, and you could laugh about later. In fact. My niece was driving us to the airport, and we were kind of just chuckling. Oh, gosh, you know, this is, what's this going to be? We carried over there, you know, like $30,000 in cash with us just so that, because we thought that was, yeah. you know, we'd you know, been schooled a bit that that was probably what it was going to take. <laughs> and by the end of it, you? Millions. And it didn't do any good was the is the kicker to all of that. It doesn't do a bit of good. Now, you can say it all worked out. It did all work out. Even though you had to lose everything pretty much. But think about those other kids or men that are in these prisons, that it doesn't work out. We know we're... We're currently trying to help many of them. That's right. That's, I became so involved over there and so ingrained in that system and had and ran into some really good people that, that helped us, that truly, truly helped us. And I can't, you know, there will never be enough thank yous to those people because they did it to their own demise. As far as I was concerned, it was only hurting them. Law enforcement didn't want us to have any help over there. That was not. No one wanted to help us. So the ones that did, it was truly, truly amazing and just a walk of faith on their part. And you, how many times did you go there, come home, go back? I can't even remember, honestly. I would have to look at my past. I don't know why. I think it was only three times. Oh, no. No, 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 no. (laughs) It was like a lot, right? Probably 10, 12. Oh, my I would just do, the longest I was ever over there without coming back home was six and a half months. That was part of the time that he was in solitary. So, yeah, six and a half months over there. And there's sometimes you would go there and think that he's coming home. Every time we'd had a verdict, we couldn't see how he couldn't come home because there was never any evidence. There was never any, the trials were an absolute sham. I mean, you to sit there knowing how we look at things here and you see how they conduct yeah. a trial and you think well there's no way of course he's coming home this is ridiculous how could this there's there's nothing to convict him on 
nothing. How could he, how could they find him guilty? But what you don't realize is that there is the amount of corrupt over there. And I'm not talking about Thai people. I'm talking about the Thai legal system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to make that really clear. Yeah, I don't yeah. have anything bad to say about Thai people or right, I, right. some of the kindest people I met that yeah, helped me. Yeah, That, like I said, had nothing to gain and only be hurt by helping me. So, But the Thai legal system is extremely broken and extremely corrupt. And not only do they do this to their own people, but they do it heavily to foreigners, all kinds. It's, it's ruining, destroying families. And we were lucky enough that we had, you know, we were well enough off that we could do this. My husband continued to work. I continued to go over there. My older son continued to work. They held it down here, and I did what I had to do over there. It, but what about the people that don't? Yeah, yeah. Right. They can't. And they're still there. Yeah, and we had so much support here. Yes. From a lot of people. Some some not so much, but we had a lot of support here, people helping us here. So we're the blessed ones. <laughs> it didn't feel like it for a long time. Right. But we are truly. I don't know what we would have done without God and the people that came to our rescue while we were trying to rescue our sons. Now, you told me a story about Jump over a fence or... Oh, good Lord. <laughs> we got to get to that story that I'm going to get to Tyler. <laughs> well, I'll let him... T well, it was... A, yes, there was a time when he was... Um, he was let go and he was supposed to come home after two years. And they rearrested him instead of sending him to IDC, which is where they send you before you go home to process you out. So he was due to come home. It had been two years. And, you know, we were still kind of okay at that point. We were hard on him, but we had... We were still kind of okay. Um, they rearrested him, and um, they let me come to the place where they were holding him to arrest him, and they interrogated me. And I was interrogated by a member of the DEA, the United States DEA, a gentleman that can't be found anymore now. Why would he? He was working with them. But he was dirty as you can get. And I've had law enforcement here look to try and find him. He's disappeared. Wow. I have phone messages and stuff from him. So I was being interrogated. My husband was being interrogated. And Tyler was being interrogated in another room by just a throng of law enforcement. Finally, they just told me that they were going to take him because, of course, Tyler said, I didn't do it. They're trying to make you say you did do it. Yeah, of course. So. Tyler, no, 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 no. And we demanded a lawyer. We were a little smarter at this point, a real lawyer. And um, they said they were going to take him to a safe house. And they said I could follow. So we followed um, with a poor little taxi driver driving us. And the taxi driver got so scared because he knew where they were going, which was considered a safe house. And they lost us a bit. And we found it. And it was surrounded by a fence. And yes, I climbed a fence in the middle of the night screaming my son's name and a lot of obscenities probably too that they better wow. give him back. My husband had to pull me off and the cab driver. But that's, that's just, you can't take my baby. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. It just, there isn't any fear when it comes to that. There nah. was no fear for myself. I'll fight to the death for either one of my kids. 
did save his life. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, God saved his life, but yes, faith, faith, faith. All right, I think we're going to bring in uh, Tyler. Um, you're, you spoke great. All right. <laughs> I mean, for, for being so emotional and so nervous, I know how difficult it is. You know what I think gets you through that? It's just you have something that's like just powerful inside. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel it. I feel it. And when you speak, you become exactly what Tyler needed is whatever you have inside of you. Well, I had really bad times yeah but yeah i can't you fight to the death you just do yes you do that's what you do yes yes you did <laughs> tyler uh i can't wait to get into your story because i think it's important yeah i think it is too people people need to know and understand and i know you smile a lot and you that can come across I do smile a lot, yeah. <laughs> it could come across as weird, but yeah. <laughs> it's just how I am. But you got a nice smile, man. Thanks, thanks. Um, like I said before, we're we're doing a GoFundMe. We're trying to raise money for uh, this family who endured what nobody should endure. It, it almost pisses me off, to be honest with you, that, that I even think about yeah, this, your your life and your story and your mom. Yeah, and yeah. What? what uh, let's just let's just get let's just start from. I hear that you were pain in the ass when you were a little boy. Oh yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Huge pain in the ass. <laughs> okay. 100%. So why were you a pain in the ass? Take your pick, really. You I just mean, you just you. Like, just uh, a little bit out of control from time to time. I, mean, I was no angel, that's for sure. And wow. Growing up, yeah, I would, you know, get into little bits of trouble. Nothing too serious, you know, but. Did you have uh, anxiety when you were? Yeah, yeah, I did. What, uh, what age? Since I could remember. Really? really? Yeah. It runs in my family. Everyone's kind of got it, especially my mom's side. Wow. I, mean, I think it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Honestly. Why is that a blessing and a curse? I, I like that. Because while it's uncomfortable, it gives you the drive to go further, mm. I feel like. Definitely gives you the drive to go further than someone who would just accept, you know. Whereas where anxiety can push you to to improve or to just push harder to get what you need, I feel like. so. I, yeah, that's that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I have. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. And I always say that the pandemic was a curse and a blessing because the curse is that there's way too many suicides mm -hmm. than there should be. And the blessing is when you were in the pandemic, you couldn't run. Yeah. You had to deal with it. To face your problems. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's the curse of the blessing of that. Um, I, t I think, well, I talked about it earlier. I think, yeah, with you, I'm, you know, I'm getting at that age, you know, yeah, of course happens. Yeah, happens to me too. Sometimes. <laughs> um, like last night, you know, part of it was this interview because this interview is very important to me. You guys are important to me. It makes me emotional. Um, I had anxiety. I haven't had anxiety since the pandemic. Okay. 
Well, I mean, I hope so I was too much. That. Yeah, you're welcome, man. <laughs> I seem to, it seems to be my thing, you know. I give people anxiety. <laughs> but it was the first time ever. I've had, you know, anxiety and bipolar and all that. That I had anxiety and no fear. Yeah, you see, that's that's something special. That's I think. nice, right? Yes. Yeah. Because you still have the feelings inside, mm -hmm. but the thoughts aren't saying, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. You're in trouble. Freddy Krueger's here. Yeah. Hi, Freddy. Come back. Yeah. Yeah. Come out. There was and play. no Freddy, yeah. bro. Yeah. Come out to play. <laughs> yeah. There was no Freddy, man. So I, you know, it was a little bit hard to go to sleep, but I did. And then I woke up this morning, went for a walk and meditated and, and I'm good. Mm -hmm. So it's the first time. So well, actually maybe it's your good luck. I hope so. I didn't have the fear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Take me on a ride. Okay. We're going to start with why you wanted to go to Thailand. Well, um, yeah, I was going to go in the military and, um, I thought it was a beautiful place. I had a friend over there who works as a musician and I went to go spend some time with him. So that's why I went. Really. Oh, really? Yeah. And you know, cause I've, I've, there's that general hospital. That's the soap opera that I, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. I play Sonny. Uh -huh. Mike. Um, a lot of people from younger people from GH have gone to Thailand mm -hmm. and I'm always like, why? Yeah. Cause it's scary. And they're like, no, but it's beautiful. And this, and this, that. it is the land is beautiful, but the political system is very bad. You know, it's still a monarchy. Um, the King is all powerful. He can do whatever he wants. Um, basically take people's lives or give people's lives. It's still like that. They're still in that. Wow. So it's, it's, yeah, if you get stuck into that system, it's it's not good. But if you were to just go there, sit on the beach for a little while and come back in, yeah. a, in a resort, great. Like yeah, beautiful the, beaches there? Yeah, totally. I mean, they have a beautiful land there, and I feel bad for their people that they're oppressed as they are. Yeah. Now, you went, so then you decided to go for music, right, to play um, my friend was a musician, so uh, I just went to stay with him, uh, check out, check out the place. Yeah, he was kind of local around that area, so so uh, great. I know maybe you might not be able to talk about something legally or whatever, but what exactly happened when you were there and you got busted for? Mm -hmm. What? How did that happen? So I was arrested on a bunch of charges: okay. um, murder, drug smuggling. Yeah, yeah, moly. moly. Yeah, big, big charges, really big charges. Um, and I was arrested um, near Cambodia. So, yeah, at the border, actually. I want to know, because mm -hmm. I watch a lot of those shows. <laughs> I want to know exactly what happened when they came to you. When you got, but that whole feeling of that. Yeah, that was, so I was just going to cross over to Cambodia. And, um as I was putting my passport there, um, I was seeing they were putting up people's photos on that glass. Um, you know, at the passport booth, there's like a glass um, in between you and the uh, the woman who takes your passport. Yeah. And I was looking at it, and I was like, yeah, that's an American passport. That looks a lot like, oh, wow, that's me. I was totally surprised. And at that point, she kind of just took my passport, slid it under, and touched something. 
I don't know what she touched a button maybe and it was just full of police and immigration like officials. how many police a lot a lot I mean more than I could count at the moment I was just in shock I was like what's going on did I overstay like why why am I what's going on here like was there something wrong with my passport and then yeah they were they're saying you're being detained you're being detained we can't tell you for what we can't tell you for what um, they're talking t- t- um broken English broken English so they take you mm-hmm. to a room yeah well first they put me in a car um put a bag over my head and then took me back to um one city called Padia in Thailand mm-hmm. and um yeah then they started their interrogation which lasted days so you're in a, you're in a room with like th- how many couple cops i mean they would come and go at one point maybe 20 at some points maybe three um and yeah, what are they, they saying they're just trying to make you sign papers uh, sign this sign this sign this sign you're this. like no i'm like no i don't know what this is i don't know what this is i don't know what this is and that's what they're trying to do they're basically trying to get you to admit to something that you have no idea about and then after they came and went came and went what happened you didn't sign the papers obviously um, I did sign one paper, yeah, which was for my belongings. Okay. Yeah. But, but um, there wasn't a confession or... Um, they tried to make it like there was, yeah. Oh, Jesus. They did try to make it like there was, but there was not even a translator there, so there's no way to confess to anything. So once they're thinking that they got you... Yeah. I mean, they just want to put you in there, you know? Yes, of course. They just want to put you in there. So then now you're going, what's going on? Yeah, basically. I didn't do anything. Yeah, they're, they're calling me murderer, drug smuggler. I, I th- honestly thought it was a little bit of a joke. And then um, they're showing me the newspaper that day. I'm on the front page of the newspaper already. And I thought it was maybe a little local town village newspaper. No, it was a newspaper for all of Thailand. And there I was. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. So now the whole country looking at you a certain way oh yeah yeah and so now they take you into the prison mm-hmm. it was uh on the way to that prison what do you what are you are you like going this is just i remember looking at my hands you know and okay. like checking like the scars or something on my hands to make sure it was me wow i thought it might have been i was kind of getting like some disassociative feeling from my body do you know what, it, yeah. you know what i'm saying so I, I almost didn't, I looked at him for the first couple of days, actually. I was looking at the scars on my hands, you know, just little stuff, like little nicks just you to, get or whatever. to make sure it was you. Yeah, and I was like, okay, this is me, and this is where I am. I don't know how or why, but here I am. So now you're in the prison. Yeah. What does the prison look like? <laughs> uh, first night I got there, I didn't see, I mean, it was all ties, you know. I didn't see any foreigner, any nothing, so I figured I was the only, uh, only foreigner there. Um, the prison was terrible. I mean, you're you're sleeping in shifts. Um, the lot shifts. Like, um, so first off, you're sleeping. Your legs are interlocking with the other people you're sleeping with. So, your leg would be on my chest, and my leg would be on your chest, and we'd be interlocking that way, and then onto the side as well. They call it the fish can, is what they call it in there. And then after four hours, um. You would switch so you about 20 people who just got to prison you have to go stand in the toilet area and then the other new 20 people come and sleep so you sleep in shifts like that 
Okay, Tyler. Right when you're first in there and you got a dude sleeping and the sleeping and the leg and the thing and the thing. Yeah. What the hell are you thinking, brother? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I was, yeah. I mean, the first night I just felt alone. Yeah. You know? I felt like, what's happened here? Where, where am I? What's going on? Like, I just felt overwhelmed, I guess. Is it a cell? Like a, like a, it's, bed? no, no, it's a room. So like just a room with either wooden floor or concrete floor. Um, this was the first prison, right? Yeah, uh, first prison. So about, I mean, we're talking a room maybe 20 feet long by f 15 feet wide. And you've got about 55 people in there. Okay. Let's, let's pause for a second. Yeah. I got to take this in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking me on, on, a, on the journey here and it's, uh, it's, I'm being affected a lot. Yeah, it's fifty people, bro. It, it's in in this thing. Yes, you cannot sleep on your back. Um, it, the people who are sleeping on their back have their legs interlocked. Um, then a group of people sleep on their side, and then the boss of the room, who's in charge of like counting the people who are in the room, also a prisoner, he will usually push you together with his feet. So you will all lay down on your side, and then he will cram you together with his feet. So push you, and then maybe slip one more person in there. Let's not forget to the state of mind audience. He's innocent and he's 19. Am I right? Uh, 21, just turned 21. 21, 21. I don't know why I thought 19. <laughs> doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't care if you're 60. <laughs> okay. Okay. So you're there and you got to sleep like that for the whole time or are um, you there? Yeah. When you first get there, you're like that for a few months. Yeah. What are these other people like in there? Um, yeah, there's a lot of them that are, you know, not great. Um, a lot of them are just, you know, villagers, Thai villagers, um, rice farmers and stuff like that. They don't know any different. They're scared. Um, yeah. There's gangs and all that type of stuff as well. Did you deal with people, like they say in prison, trying to, you know, beat you up or um, take you down? You Do know, they have like they do in... in you know, San Quentin or these prisons out here where, you know, the, the blacks are with the blacks and the whites are with the whites and the Spanish, you know. Well, I mean, they're all Thai, so they kind of break up by province. Yeah. But they do have that. Um, and then, yeah, there was some foreigners in that first prison. Um, so the first day when I got out of the cell, I came out and the police had took everything. I only had my boxers. They'd taken my shoes. I had no shirt, nothing. So I came out and... Uh, yeah, one guy, uh, Nikolai, he came up to me, the Russian guy. Um, he asked me if I was Russian. I said, no, I'm American. So he took me back. And yeah, so from that moment on, I stayed with uh, Russian people. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, they were they were great. They helped me with everything. I think I'd probably be dead without them, honestly. Really? Yeah. I mean, they... They wouldn't let anybody mess with you? Um, Does that happen in there? Are there people trying to... Not so much. It does happen, but I mean, not... If you don't owe someone something or if you're not in debt to someone, you can get along, yeah, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's very, there's no guards really inside. So it's all prisoners, you know? There's no, there's maybe three guards for a thousand people. So the prisoners kind of have a, um, like an agreement, you know? If you bump into someone, you say sorry. Yeah. If you yeah. don't say sorry, then there's issues, yeah. But everyone kind of gets along with that. And you got to kind of conform to their their customs as well, you know? 
What was the food like in there? Oh man, yeah. There's like what? Please, like, tell, I got like the government food. What they would yeah, give you? Yeah. What is it? It's rice um, and dirty water. Some fish heads sometimes. Uh, there's um, like some Thai vegetables boiled in there. Um, it's bad, man. The food is bad, and there's never enough. There's never enough. You got to work hard to get enough food. It's you can't be just sitting there and not worry about food, or else you're not going to get any food. How how uh, how much did you weigh? Um, well, when I first got in there, I got TB right away, so tuberculosis, and that destroyed me for like the first couple months. Um, yeah, once again, without those uh, Russian guys around me, they were helping me with everything. I had no idea what TB was, you know, so they helped me out a lot. Um, and so I went down. I lost probably. 60 pounds i mean i was maybe like 120 and 30. dang yeah how was your uh and now your anxiety must have been through the roof or what yeah but terrible yeah absolutely terrible i mean it, it was almost just it was just a constant crawling of the skin and beating of the heart I you know that, man. um your mind constantly never shutting down, you know, hitting you with all the wrong thoughts, you know? Yeah, so I yeah. kind of took this mentality, like your, your brain is kind of like a castle, you know, that needs to be protected. So anytime a bad thought comes in, it's like a fire, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to put out the fire immediately. It's going to burn the whole castle down. Right. So I kind of got to this point where when a bad thought would come in, I'd put it out immediately, you know, even no matter what it was, if it was, Logical problem or illogical problem? Because I just wouldn't been able to deal with any more problems than what was right in front of me. Your faith had to be enormous, right? Yes. Yeah, it really we, was. We, look, you know, um, I tell people, I don't talk much about God. and I was, I was brought up Catholic. And obviously, went through but I've been through myself enough. And the reason God is so important for me, mm -hmm. and I think for you, because you can't do it alone. No, you can't. You can't. Another yeah, thing that I learned in there, um, another same buddy, Nikolai, I remember my mom gave me a, um, a rosary, smuggled in a rosary to me. Bless her heart, my angel, you know, my mom. <laughs> and... Um, so I got it, finally. A guard gave it to me, and I just kind of threw it in the locker, you know. I was raised Catholic as well, but I never really followed it, know, you know. Same with me, yeah. And I remember I threw it in there, and he took it out, and he says, no, brother, look. Say, outside, you might need this. Inside here, you do need this. Now take it back. Wow. And so from then on, um, it really is true. You do need God. Um, there's a reason, I think, why so many people who go through difficult things come out saying faith, faith. And the people who don't come out of it, well, they don't come out of it. There you go. Because they didn't have faith. Yes. So there's a reason why. I mean, I know it sounds cliche, faith, right? No, right. And everyone's like, ah, oh, faith, the God thing again. Here we go. Yes. But no, it's no. the it's the fact. It's a real fact. It's not a um, an idea or hypothesis or something. You know. No. It it's isn't. what gets the people who make it through something so hard through it. I agree with you. That's that's. I it. say in my life, times when. I couldn't, didn't want to go on. Mm -hmm. It's it's God and the devil yes. fighting each other. Yeah, and most of the time God wins. Mm -hmm. But there are those times, 
kill themselves. Yes. The devil got them. Yes. That's the way I think. Exactly. I think you feel the same way. 100%. 100%. So, um, you must have read a lot of books in there and try to. Um, yeah, I read what I could get in English. I read quite a few books, good ones, yeah. How many languages do you speak? <laughs> um, well, I mean, Thai well, English well, a bit of Russian, a bit of Spanish. Dang. So I learned quite a bit of things as well, yeah. So how long did you stay in that one prison, the first How many prisons were you in? Um, three. Oh, my goodness. So how long did you stay in the first prison? Yeah, the first prison, so I kind of call that one the baby prison, you know. So that's th- that's... That's the easy one. <laughs> That's the really easy one, yeah. Because you have, oh no, you've got other foreigners and stuff around. Um, okay. The second prison after I was rearrested after two years, um, that's when they started to apply the drug charges. Um, so I had to go re go through trial for that, and that's when I got sentenced to death. Was for that, um, that case. Uh, okay, hold on, hold on. Uh huh. Tell me what it's like to be sentenced to death and what goes through your mind? Mm. First thought, honestly? Yes. Do it. That's what... Wow. Yeah, that was my first thought. I mean, at that point when they sentenced me to death, I had been in solitary confinement one year. Um, Hold on, I'm getting... I'm getting some fucking... Uh, you're cool i'm just i don't know no I, it just hit me okay go ahead brother where were we so, so you said what would they say to you you're gonna they're gonna they're gonna inject me yeah oh they're gonna inject yeah, yeah lethal injection yeah okay and you said do it yeah um that was my thought at that point i was really depressed i was really angry at everyone i mean i was so angry at that point after being in that solitary confinement for a year i mean so you were in solitary confinement for a year i need to get i need to i need to i need to know about that okay because your mind is so fucking strong i can't even begin to even think about it It how strong your mind is okay thank you my mind's strong but it's not really. You're in solitary confinement. When they first put you in there, it's black in there, right? Um, actually, quite the opposite. It's really, really bright. It's extremely bright. It never lights off 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And um, there's oh. no way to tell time. There's no clock. And um, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's bright? Yes. It's... I'd never heard this one. I always think it's black. It would have been nice, yeah. Would have been nice if it was black. I mean, because you don't know if it's day or night when it's so bright like that. Um, and the meals are, they're giving them to you irregularly. So you can't base it off of that. All you can base it off of was the, um, they would pray a Buddhist prayer five times a day. And they'd, they'd actually try to force us to pray to Buddha as well, which I was not having. Um, so they treated me worse because of that. Uh, so yeah, that was my time there, a year just like that. A year in bright light in a room. Yes. And what does that do to you? Um, it's hard. You have to dig really deep, honestly. Um, and But I still don't get the, the theory of the bright is worse than the black. I guess because I'm thinking of myself. If it was black, I'd be all scared. Stuff. Yeah, so bright, I mean, you can't really get sleep. You know what I mean? Oh. It's, it's always light. 
Oh. Um, so that's when a lot of uh, kind of mental health issues started was from that. And um, they don't want you to sleep also. So they had these speakers. Um, when Whenever I would uh, get almost to sleep, they would make a like a beeping sound with the speaker. Beep. So I would wake back up again. So then you'd kind of have to like fake sleep or not sleep and then like this, you know, so they wouldn't know when you're actually sleeping. So then you're kind of just left like laying there. So what did you do physically or mentally to survive that? Um, I prayed a lot. Um, yeah, really, I, I prayed as much as I could. Um, and I kind of just counted everything that I was grateful for, um, that I was alive, that I do have a chance to survive, um, that there is still some food coming to me. Any little thing I could think of, I would try to be grateful for that. And um, I would count that all the time, you know. I would Then I'd think of the thing I was most grateful for, like my family and my mother, and think about what if I didn't have that and how much worse it could be. So actually it's just me suffering in a room it's not the world ending. That's kind of the way I looked at it. Wow. I'm I'm just speechless. I've done state yeah. of mind for, I think I've done 115 state of minds. I've never been speechless. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's... You're doing great, man. It's, I'm the one that's got to hold it together, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right so you did the solitary confinement in bright light these sons of bitches yeah uh, I, I, let me tell you something man. and that was all i also had uh four herniated discs in my lower back so i could barely walk the whole time um, why did you have that um i injured it in the previous prison and never got any treatment for it so it just got worse and worse and they kept trying to force me to sit, like forced, forced sits. Like they wanted you to med, uh, they wanted you to meditate. Like uh, they would say meditate three right. hours, four hours, and they would play this Buddhist prayer really, really loud. But I couldn't do that. That was against my religion. I'm a Catholic. Yeah. And that's the number one rule: is don't bow down before another god. And then there's something they roll on the wall with blood or something. So yeah, my case partner, um, we both wanted a Bible, right? Because they gave all the Buddhists these little Buddhist books. Because there was no books. There was nothing allowed in there. It was just you, one blanket, and concrete. And really bright lights. Um, so we were asking, please, Bible, Bible, Bible. And they wouldn't give it to us. So eventually me and my case partner made a plan that we would, uh, we would cut ourselves and draw a bloody cross on the wall to try to make them uh, get some reaction out of them. And it worked. It worked? Yeah, it did. I mean, my case partner did a better job of it than me. But yeah, it did work, yeah. So, you're you're out of the solitary confinement. What was it like when they said you're done here, and you and you got to go? I don't know where you went outside or how was that feeling like? So the reason I got moved from solitary confinement was because I got a death sentence, and that prison didn't have enough security to keep you. So they have one prison in the country. It's called a uh, Bangkwang. And they move all death row prisoners there. So actually, I was pretty relieved to have gotten the death sentence. Um, they they took us out 
they put chains on us. They welded the chains. Yeah, what's up with the chains? On your ankles or something? Yeah, so they're like a like a 12 kilo chain. It's like 25 pound chain, about like that. And um, they welded these things on. And they Why said, does it have to be so heavy? Because they're a bunch of idiots? Yeah, basically. They don't want you to escape i mean oh it, come on man but yeah you've got to go to the toilet with these things on you've got to do everything with these things on so you say 25 pounds about yeah it's an elephant chain it's what they use for elephants there okay so then what um then you i want to know what it felt like to to be out oh great i mean i was a death row and everyone I, thought i was nuts because i was so happy <laughs> <laughs> They really thought I was crazy. No one, that's no one ever messed with me there. I thought I was nutter, you know. Because you you're you route now. You don't have to be in that bright yeah, light yeah. room for a year. I was just sitting in the sun for the time that they would let us out of the cells there. I mean, I thought it was great. Now that prison, um, how was that? I mean, as far as the, now you're is that the second prison or the third? Third. So the third prison. How was how was that? And what happened to you in the safe house? Okay, so back in the safe house, um, yeah, so that's that basically when you're arrested in town, they're basically they're legally allowed to torture you for three days in a safe house if you have a large drug charge because they view you as a terrorist. So, um, yeah, they put me in there, put me in a small cell. I mean, they did quite a few things, bag over the head, uh, talk, 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 tell us you did it, tell us you did they it. They hit you? A bit, yeah, a bit. I mean, the worst thing, they do these psychological games, you know, um, when I was in the cell, they, uh, they took this knife, um, they threw me a knife and they said, pick it up and they all had their hands on their gun, you know, and their, uh, also say, pick it up. You're big. Yeah. You're tough, like killer. Right. And I was like, no, man, I'm, I'm innocent and do anything. I say, just pick it up, pick it up and it'll be finished. I'm not picking it up. They're like, okay, then kick it back. Just kick it back. At least I'm like, I'm not touching it, man. So they're just stuff like this, wow. stuff like this. They were doing nonstop. You know, not letting you go to the toilet, stuff like that. You know, just just torture, just torture. Pretty, pretty much, yeah. Now this can be a little intense, but anything sexually or no, nothing sexually. No, yeah. Because if you'd gone that road, then I'm just gonna have to stop the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, so now you're in the th third prison. Uh huh. And where's your mom through all this? Okay, so my mom was, uh, she was visiting as regularly as she could um, when I was in the solitary, um, but that was once a week for like 10 minutes through a video call conference thing. Um, but uh, she came and visited me right away when I was into death row. She was there. Um, she came, um, visited me, and yeah, we planned how to get out, you know, how to keep going. So you guys would just keep talking, and, and how, was it just the hardest thing for you? It's even hard for me to even think about it or even talk about it. Was it hard for you to talk to her? Like she would leave. It was probably you're crushed, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And um, yeah, I felt like I had just destroyed, you know, destroyed my family, destroyed. I mean, through all of this, I mean, lawyers taking, bankrupting us. I mean, but she I felt you up. always, yeah, always strong, always strength, rock, stone. So, yeah, it was without her, I would have died many times over. <laughs> Damn, so the, those guys saved you, your mom saved you? Yes. So the third prison, 
now they've come to you what three times and said they're gonna bring you in is that the way um yeah so there was i got the death sentence twice and then there was the third court um where that would have been it you know, that would have been would have been it that was about uh three years. oh the, the the third the le- that would have been yeah that would have been you're condemned to death now and then the only way you can get out of it then is if the king pardons you to life and how do they do it if they were going to do it? Injection. Oh, the injection. They don't. I thought maybe those rifle things. Uh, they used to shoot you in the back. Yeah, they used to tie you to like a cross, basically a cross. Yeah, um, tie your hands up and shoot. Like Jesus. Yeah, but they shoot you in the back because that's how they are. They like to do everything behind your back. There, nothing to your face. Now, why didn't the government help you? Why? Our government. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't care. They didn't care at all. I mean, honestly, our embassy was the worst I've seen out of any country. I mean, name a country in their embassy was better. Brazil. I mean, countries that you would think are, oh, they're third world. They're not going to come for their people. They show up all the time. My embassy would come once every six months. Even passing messages to my mom, they said they wouldn't do it. Um, they wouldn't help me with any of my medicine, like mental health medicine. I mean, when... Why? They're, I don't know. They're really, really bad. They didn't buy me a banana. Not even one banana the whole time I was there. Nothing. They didn't give me anything. I mean, the Russian embassy in the first prison used to call me out more than the American embassy. They brought me a priest. They used to call me out and give me food. The American embassy didn't care at all. They didn't want to help. Man. Yeah. You should have called state of mind. I would have, <laughs> I would I know, have right? sent you a banana. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been much appreciated. <laughs> I would have loved that banana. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So... Yeah, that's a that's not, man, it's crazy. So you're in the third. They tell you you're gonna do it. They didn't do it. Now well, you kept going to court. How was it in court? Their courts. Oof, terrible. They don't talk English in there. That you. No, 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 no. Oh, they talk English. No, they do not. Oh, they don't. No, no, no. I mean, um, they'll give you like what they call a translator, um, yeah. but they won't really translate. They mostly sit there. Um, the one I had, I was asked, "What are they saying?" She just said, it's nothing important. Don't worry about it. Um, how many times did you go into court? Oh, man, a lot. Like 40, probably. Okay, hold on. 40? Yeah. Yeah. Many, many court appearances. Many, many, many. And then nothing would happen? You just... Yeah, just come back. They would continue with their kangaroo court, you know, bringing in witnesses that they've coached or something like that, or not bringing in any witnesses at all. Like in my, in the drug case trial, there was no credible witnesses at all. The one witness against us is, um, he's a criminal. He was charged with human trafficking and, um, he was arrested and, uh, basically wanted to get out of it. So he made up a story about my case partner who he hates. And, um, yeah, I was lumped in with that as well. They came, they took all the assets off my case partner and yeah, they don't need anything there. They can just condemn you. So eventually, after six years, right? Yes. What happened to, to, to hear that the news? <laughs> I was, honestly, I thought I was done for. Um, I didn't think it was going to be the outcome that I got. I mean, thanks to God, it was freedom. That was the outcome. What, you, you went to court? Um, actually, time? it was a video call because of COVID. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so COVID saved your life. That's <laughs> well, actually, they were releasing a lot of people because there was not enough food uh, in the prison for because of COVID. Right. But um, yeah. So, but I did get the death sentence over a video call one time. So that was because uh, of COVID. <laughs> Just a quick video call, like a WhatsApp video call. Hey, yeah. death again. Get out of here. Okay. But the last time was a video call, and um, yeah, it was. I couldn't believe it, man. I. It's America. What did they say? What you were you were you were looking at the video? Yeah, it was. And they it was said on the what? wall. Yeah, and me and my case partner Luke is his name. We're standing uh, next to each other, and um, yeah, the I can understand Ty at that point. So I'm I'm hearing it, you know, and they're saying we don't believe, we don't believe, we don't believe, and I'm I'm thinking like I must be hearing this wrong. They don't believe me again, you know. Oh right. But no, they didn't believe the police. They said the police that arrested you is now uh, under investigation for murder. The witness against you is now under in investigation for um, human trafficking. So we don't believe them. There's no case here. Go. That's it. That was it. What What was your What was your feeling at that moment? Um, I just I remember I gave uh, Luke a hug. You know, I we did it, man. We did it. You know, survived. We're gonna go now. We're going. Wow. Yeah. And then you got, they just let you out? Or how's, how's that work? Um, no, you got to go to Immigration Detention Center, uh -huh. which I was afraid. I thought they might rearrest me again for some other case they made up. But we got out. Um, they sent us from the prison to an Immigration Detention Center. We were there about three days. And then, um, yeah, we did a COVID test, which I was really hoping came back negative because I got it a couple times in the prison. And um, it did come back negative, and then, boom. So I, I flew back to Chicago, and then back to Arizona. And how was it when you first see your mom? Yeah, I was. I had been. I hadn't slept for about three or four days, you know, at that point. But it was dreamy, you know. I couldn't believe it. It was like. Really? Finally, I'm outside. I actually didn't believe it was real until I saw the moon because I hadn't seen the moon all those years. I hadn't seen the night. I'd never seen the night all those years. So once I finally saw the moon, I, that's when it started to hit me. But when I saw my mom, it was so good. It was surreal, unable like, to be explained. Like a dream, like a, like a dream, right? Yeah. Like a beautiful dream. Yeah, exactly. And when I saw the flag, American flag, too, I was first thing I did was go to a Catholic church. And uh, when I was actually in a real church, you know, I, that's also when it really hit me that you're back, back. How many times did you just break down either from joy or? <sighs> many. I feel like daily I used to. Yeah. I mean, I would, yeah, mentally break, you know, like I, it got to the point where you wouldn't see it on the outside, but in my brain, it was just exploding all the time. Just boom, 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 exploding with, um, it's all there, you know, anxiety, depression. Yeah, all that, yeah. I mean, I, I was starting to hear voices. Yeah. I hate that, man. Um, yeah, it's terrible. I mean, yeah. And then when they would, uh, they would cut us off of our uh, medicine too, you know, so they had us on like some, some anxiety medicine and death row. Um, so that you would sleep, you know, cause a lot of guys just wouldn't sleep at all. So, but then some days they just wouldn't be there. So you'd go into withdrawal and stuff like that as yeah. well, you know? So many times breakdown, really many times. And then wait, with your mom, it's a breakdown of joy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's beautiful. 
yeah, it was, it's hard, you know, when you first get out to really experience it, you know, because you're, you're thinking everyone's around the corner still, like it's not over, you know, it can't be over because your, your brain, I've been telling my brain the whole time, like, this is going to be years, you know, this is, yeah. if you don't get, you killed. have to be, you have to almost have a, a like a, a, a character, right? When you're in a prison like that, like you got to have a certain, that's what I've heard. You got to be a certain way. Yeah, there's a certain discipline. You yes. got to be very disciplined um, in your mind, in your yes. body, um, especially there because there's so much sickness. You have to be very disciplined in everything you do or else you're not going to make it, basically. Um, so, yeah, I had been telling myself, like, you are a prisoner now. That's what you do. You become good at it. So that's what I did. And, um, yeah, I would every day I would pray. I would pray, of course, for my freedom all the time. But I had accepted, you know, that it wasn't going to be like that. I had basically surrendered, you know? Yeah, yeah. Surrendered to God. Like, okay, this is it. I'm going to work with what I have now. I'm going to be grateful for what I have. I mean, my situation was terrible, but I was able to be grateful for what I did have. And I was actually happy. Um, I used to wake up every morning and force myself to smile. I remember it. Oh, really? Yeah, I'd wake up and literally like force myself to smile. And I remember it felt so strange to do at first, but I knew it was a good idea, you know? Yeah. And then I would get mornings where I'd wake up laughing, you know? I would I would be happy regardless of my situation. Just because you woke up? Yes. I remember I would go out every morning when let me out of the cell and I'd write down what I was grateful for. I'd make at least 10 things. I would write down, first was always, I'm so glad I woke up this morning with no pain and no sickness. That was the first thing every time. And then for my family, all the things, you know, that I can see the sky, that I can see the clouds. That's, it's good, you know, life is good. That's what I would tell myself. You know, when I, I went through a major depression and for me, it was like the opposite, but it, only when I slept was I happy. Yeah, I went through because times the, like that. Man. Because the dreams <laughs> yes. were so fucking good. You know? <laughs> yes. And then you'd wake up and it's like, yeah i know exactly but when you i I would dream daisies yeah 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 Uh, i used to dream always about the uh the beach yeah yeah that i'd be sitting on the beach you know letting this hand letting the sand run through my fingertips and stuff like that and yeah i would i was the same you know i was the same way so how are you now you're getting treatment you yeah i'm good um i'm basically off all the medication which i mean i yeah yeah um it's been difficult, you know, but, um, it and your did... beautiful body that you have <laughs> from calisthenics. Yeah. 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 It's, it's under everybody who sees your body goes, <laughs> yeah, they don't believe where I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that, that was, um, that, that took discipline, you know, that took, um, oh, it was, yeah. it was, um, not easy because of the lack of food, um, lack of facilities, lack of, um, anything. There was nothing, you know, to really. So yeah, calisthenics is what we would do. Um, yeah, like I was telling you about my back, I had about a year and a half there where I couldn't walk because I um, I had so many. I can't imagine, man. In in the solitary room, I couldn't even walk barely. Um, I had four herniated discs in the bottom of my back, two in between my shoulder blades. Um, luckily, God sent me um, one uh, really influential guy in there. Uh, he helped me a lot with. He he showed me these exercises. Um, to fix my spine and i mean it helps so much you know um wow. and i was able to heal myself like that and ever since then i I've, 
it, there's a lot to be said for exercise really yeah. it's almost a religious thing you know I yeah mean, you it, i feel like it can almost bring you closer to god i really do feel yeah. like that I agree with it. it's really it's a blessing i feel so grateful that i can exercise you know and once i kind of got used again in my my legs and i could start to feel my feet again i remember how happy i was you know and wow it was just yeah such a such a blessing but anybody could do it you know it's just no not anybody brother. <laughs> <laughs> what you did is is it's a miracle it, it is. truly is a miracle and i'm not gonna yeah it is a miracle that's what it is i can't take any credit really because it's a miracle you know I, well you could take a lot of credit i give credit to my mom i give credit Your to my mom's god a, but a, like a force of nature yeah she is okay she is. What she what what she did for the love of her son was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, really unbelievable. So why did you do? So Tyler, listen. Mm -hmm. Why did you decide to do State of Mind? I I want to tell people my story, but I I don't want them to pity me. I would like if they could learn something, maybe. But I also want to help people who are in my position. Um, I mean, there's so many. A lot of my friends are out, but so many aren't. They were sentenced to death, sentenced to life. Um, they don't have any access to anything. Um, there is no organizations that help this people, you know, these type yeah. of people, this situation. It's such a small group, minority, but these people are really suffering. I mean, there is, and I want to be that person that helps them. I want to do whatever it takes because a lot of the times governments can't help because of things that have to be done in these countries that I want to be able to do for them. I want to get them medicine. I want to get them food. I want to get them a lawyer. I want to get them someone to talk to so they don't kill themselves. That's what I want to do. I want to help them in any way possible. So I want to start a nonprofit. I'm going to call it a Relief for International Prisoners. Yeah. And um, I'm going to gear it towards helping people who are in prison internationally, not just in Americans. Yeah. Um, anyone who's you know, in, in a country where it's cruel and brutal to them um, and they're a foreigner. So they, they have even less of a leg up. They have nobody to help them. I want to be the person that helps them. Well, I tell you what, we'll do it together. State, yes. State of mind. Yes. And whatever you're going to call your organization. Yeah, Relief for International Prisoners, yeah. yeah. I'll help you out for sure. That would be great. And, and but I want, I want everybody to help out the Gerard family. Of course, that would be great. And, and I mean... That's just going to go to helping others. I mean, that's what I want to do. I said a prayer when I was in there to God. I said, if you let me out, I will help others in the situation. I will bring these people who are condemned in the dark, yes. deep, dark pits, you know, of yes. different countries. I will bring them back to you. That's what I told them. That's what I want to do. I'll tell you a little story just because that was beautiful what you just said. <laughs> Thanks. I, people always ask me about mental health, right? Mental yeah. Illness. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a huge it's, issue. Especially man. now, right? Yeah. And when I was, I mean, when I was on the bed, strapped to a bed in the mental, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I always tell the story where I couldn't get out of the, I tried to get out of the straps, I couldn't get out. Gonna, finally, I, I got to the end of the bed, there's a, a latch about this big. All right. I break it off. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I, t I go back to my bed, and I'm like, I have yeah, it here, right? Yeah, you're getting ready for it, yeah. <laughs> and then I started praying. Mm -hmm. I said, God, you better do something now. <laughs> yeah. Right? 
and I took it, broke it in half, made it into a cross. Mm -hmm. And I put it right by my bed. There you go. In that moment, and I'm not joking about this, I said, God, why are you doing this to me? Mm -hmm. And it was like I heard a voice say, there's a reason. Of course. And if you look at my life, just us being here. Yeah. It's a miracle in itself. It's like that's the clear reason that I had to go through that, just like you had to go through what you went through. Yes. I mean, yeah, I'd like to say something real quick about suffering, you know? Yes. Um, I think it's such a shame, you know, that suffering's viewed the way it is because I think suffering is really, it's a way to better yourself, you know? I mean, as soon as you you take it, you take it as an experience that could help you, it completely changes the way that you would look at suffering. I mean, I think it's so sad that in our society, I think this is one of the main contributors to mental health problems, is in our society, we gauge everyone on monetary value, that's it. Yeah. If we were to gauge people on their spiritual value based on sufferings that they've been through and, yes. and actually beaten, if, yes. we're, if, we, if that's how we gauge people's richness, right. then it would be a completely different society. I 100% agree with you. We have to think of suffering as strength. Exactly. As You have to agree to suffer. Yes. You know? If you don't agree to it, then you don't have But the... Tyler, the problem is that when you're in it, you think you're never going to get out. Yes, exactly. But yeah. the reality is, especially for you, it does pass. And guess what? Of course, yeah. You're better because of it. Mm -hmm. And when it passes, you should be proud of yourself. Yes, that's You should right. really... You should... Okay, maybe you can't make a party, but once you pass through I get one you. one stage Why of can't suffering, you make a party? yeah, you should. Yeah, right. once you pass through one stage of stage of suffering, even if it's not, you haven't gotten to the end yes. of the main suffering. Each stage should make you feel good. You know, I, should make you feel proud that you got through that. That's right. It's much more of an accomplishment than getting a million dollars. But you know, the beauty you know? of this, Tyler, is how old are you? Um, twenty-seven. You've learned that, and you're twenty-seven. I'm sixty. Now I'm learning. Okay? Yeah. So you're learning at 27, man. Yeah. So your life's going to be grand. <laughs> okay? my Mine, I'm just like, at 58, I started figuring it out, what you're saying about suffering. Yeah. I Yeah, this was really a, a mindset that I, I, I took, you know? Yes. I, every time, because they would just keep coming problems, you know, for me, problem right. after problem after problem. I got to a point where I would be like, thank you, God, another, another test, you know? And I will pass it. And you'll yeah, be proud right. of me, you know? Yeah, so I'm right. going to pass this next test and I'm going to move on better than I was before. And so every time I would get through one, I'd be like, that's good. That sure. is good. So I'm going to, I'm going to conclude this. Um, the, all the information for the GoFundMe is, will be out where it needs to be. I've heard incredible stories. They're all incredible to me, but this one just got me a lot. And the fact that there's there's people, friends of Tyler's, still there, who can't get the help that he's gotten. Yeah. And maybe never get the help. Because these animals that are they just get away with murder 
And if, I don't know, I, I don't want to keep talking because I know I'm going to get in trouble and say something that's bad. <laughs> I just want to say that I want to thank you and your mom for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help so many people. And uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Man. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Please be sure to download, subscribe, and leave a review.